Hey, Last Looks crew. Now, does this sound familiar? You've been told to focus solely on your technical skills and perfecting your craft as a hair and makeup artist, yeah? But despite your talent, you find yourself struggling to advance your career and feeling stuck in the same place. Putting all your energy into your art without seeing the desired results can be disheartening. Maybe it's time to shift your approach just a little and consider the significance of positive working relationships and collaboration with others. Now, in this rerun episode of the Last Looks podcast, we chat to Jason Collins, a makeup artist and founder of Autonomous FX. Jason shares his experiences in the industry, emphasizing the importance of collaboration and positive working relationships. Jason strongly believes in communication, respect, and inclusive working dynamics within departments. Through his journey, he showcases the power of teamwork, a positive mindset, and continuous learning and building a successful career. Now, I first met Jason on Blade Runner 2049 in Budapest. It was a long time away from home and I was not finding that easy. Jason was coming and going from the project and was the perfect person to just pull me out of my funk. He has a positive outlook, loves a good chat, and a good laugh, an incredibly approachable and easy guy to work with. And since then, I've been lucky enough to work with him again on Captain Marvel, Don't Worry Darling, and Babylon. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Jason because his message is positive and inspiring. His views on teamwork and collaboration are something I hope more artists and people in his position strive towards. I have no doubt you'll take away some valuable nuggets of gold from this rerun episode with Jason Collins. And don't forget, guys, check out the new website. Last Looks has had a makeover. I'm excited. (laughs) So head over to last-looks.com and see what we have on the site, but also what we have coming soon. You'll see on the homepage information about our live Q&A event coming up on November 4th with hair, makeup, and special effects designer, Sarah Rabano. Now, Sarah is our highest downloaded episode. That means she's had more listens than any other guest on the podcast. And for this live event, you guys get to ask her the questions. We have a promo code so our Last Looks crew can get a discount. The promo code is EARLYBIRD, all one word. Listen, I'm amped to see your questions coming in. We have some great ones that have been submitted already. So jump on it, guys. Promo code EARLYBIRD. Okay, my name is Jamie Lee, and this is the Last Looks Podcast, a show where I catch up with hair and makeup artists working in the TV and film industries around the world. And today on this rerun episode, we are joined by specialty makeup artist and founder of Autonomous FX, Jason Collins. On with the show. And now, a word from our sponsor. Mio Cosmetic Cases are the preferred safety touch-up system for pro makeup and hair artists. As makeup and hair professionals, we are constantly having to carry an endless amount of products in our kit, always in search of new ways to condense our kits and increase efficiency on the job. Mio Cosmetic Cases offer on-set touch-up kits that hold multiple types of makeup, helping you save valuable touch-up time on set, keeping your makeup safe and hygienic for talent, and significantly lightening your travel and set bags. They also offer depotting storage palettes in various sizes that assist to reduce weight and bulk in professional artist kits. A committed and globally verified environmentally conscious company, Mio Cosmetic Cases allows you to feel empowered that when using our products, you are committing to save the planet one small act at a time. Join the Mio movement today at myocosmeticcases.com. Mio Cosmetic Cases, meticulously designed with pros in mind. And now, our feature presentation. Pictures up. Last looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast, Jason. Thanks for having me. Hey, you're welcome. I would like you to finish this sentence for me, okay? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Jason, and when he grew up, he wanted to be... An astronaut. Did you? <laughs> well, that was the first thing <laughs> I wanted That's terrifying. To <laughs> of course. 
that was the first thing I wanted to be when I was like six or seven. You know, the makeup effects didn't really happen until I was 12. And I found a magic book in a magic store that I was like, holy cow, you can do this. And, you know, that's that's what started that fire. But yeah, an astronaut up until then. Okay. So a magic book in a magic store. What uh, what part of makeup has got to do with that? Well, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know why a makeup book was in a magic store, but it was. Okay. I was 12 and I was there with my mom. She took me to this magic store because I was kind of into, you know, a novice magic. I was pretty terrible at it, actually. But, you know, she was taking me to the store to get better. And uh, I found this book there and, uh, you know, I started reading through it and they had, you know, they had very, they had like one little bin of supplies underneath the glass case of like flexible collodion, you know, all the toxic stuff back in the day. And, Mm -hmm. um, and they had a book up on top of the glass case and you can open the book and it showed you how to use the collodion and liquid latex and all this other stuff. And I was really into magic and sort of fooling people at that time. And, and I didn't even know that that was the thing. Obviously, I was 12. And I didn't know that that, that that career existed. Yeah. So I got that book and I just I became obsessed. You know, I kept going back to that magic store and buying those supplies. And uh, I made a victim of my mother and my sisters and my friends and, you know, <laughs> And uh, for quite a lot of years and, you know, got a lot of collodion stuck in hair and a lot of terrible things to people. But, yeah. Uh, but what were you trying you to create? Like what kind of what kind of makeups well, you, were you doing? Well, you always start with the easy stuff, right? You start with the the gashes and the cuts and the, the scars and stuff like that. Anything you can mm-hmm. kind of do at a kit that doesn't involve casting or life casting somebody or sculpting because you know at that point you don't know anything about that stuff until you you find other things like you know dick smith's book or tom savini's book or richard corson's book stage makeup book you know you don't really get into that stuff until you find those sort of treasures back in the day yeah and you know we didn't have the internet back then so you're stuck with whatever you can find at the library and those three books opened my eyes you know dick smith's book Tom Savini's book and of course Richard Corson's book, you know. But um, yeah, so you do what you can do out of those expendable materials like latex and collodion. And <laughs> it's funny because I, you know, after a year of doing it, my, you know, my mom was always my victim. She's like, I can't look at another gashed out lake. I can't look at another. <laughs> I mean, you got to do something different. <laughs> so <laughs> you got to expand a little. Yeah. Jason, come on. So she she really pushed me to to get out there and find some more knowledge and things like that. But she was always my victim. So you know. oh, that's very cool. So you're going through high school and stuff, and coming to the end of that, and you're thinking, how do I make this happen? So what happens? Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny because. I was lucky where I found a couple of people as I was going through high school that were into mm-hmm. the same things that I was into. And it's very strange. You don't find a lot of people like that. But when you do, it's funny because I, I've always felt lucky with this career because it's it's always been a passion. And, you know, it, it never feels like work. I mean, sometimes the politics feel like work and dealing with producers and, you know, that stuff. And, of course, the yeah. paperwork and things like that. But the work itself never feels like work. And when you meet people that have that same passion and desire and obsession, you know, for lack of a better word, when you're young like that, and let's face it, when you're young, you don't really have anything else going on. I mean, I mean, I didn't have a big social life or anything like that. So all I did was this stuff. And I've met a couple of friends that were really into it. And we would have these makeup effect parties, essentially. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, a, a good friend of mine, his name is Nate Hayden, Nathan Hayden, mm-hmm. whose brother is actually Eric Hayden. He's a big visual effects guy now. Um a good friend but we met in high school and i used to go over to his house on the weekends and you know he was farther along than i was because he was you know taking the dick smith advanced course and gulping these big creatures and things like that i was like holy shit how do you do that wow so i mean that was just that that just educated me a thousand fold working with him and so you know i mean when you like i said when you meet people like that they know other people you know, like Nate knew a guy in LA named Grady Holder who was working actually professionally and things like that. So you can kind of reach out to these people and learn a little bit more about the business. And much to their credit, they always gave you this great advice. You know, when you're in high school, they said, you know, mm-hmm. learn everything, learn a bit of everything. That way, when you get out and you start working in the shops, then you'll know a little bit of everything. You know, you'll know how to mold make, you'll know how to 
you know, paint a set of eyes or do a set of teeth or you know, mm-hmm. sculpt something. You won't be able to do it, you know, as good as the greats or anything, but at least you are somebody that can present a, a wide skill set and be used in multiple applications. So yeah. that, that kind of advice, when I was in high school, I was lucky enough to receive from people working in the business and things like that. So, you know, that just, just constantly working. So, you know, when you got out of high school, of course, mom says, grandparents say, you got to go to college and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, as for a backup career, because, you know, make up is no real career. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I chose to go to film school, which is, that was my backup career, which looking back on it, it's, a, it's really a silly backup career, you know, accounting or something like that probably would have been better. But uh, So I went to film school and left that early. And then when I left that, I actually moved to LA proper and I started working in the shops. And my first job was with uh, Steve Johnson's XFX on a movie of the week. So oh, cool. that's how it started. Yeah. Awesome. And you just kept going from there. So you were mainly doing workshop stuff at that point? Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's, you know, that's what you do when you start out, right? You, you kind of use the skills that you've honed in from the years in high school and junior high and everything. And, and, and what I had honed in were all lab skills, you know, much more than makeup skills, you know, I mean, of mm-hmm. course I, it would, the end goal was to be a makeup artist, but making things, you know, things, anything that you could do on your own and had yeah. it really accessibility to was, was the things that you sort of specialized to. So the jobs that were available to us, to me anyway, at that particular point was, you know, getting in at an entry level in a lot of these shops. Mm. And it's funny because the first day on your first job professionally, I mean, you just learn, you, you start learning a thousand miles an hour. And, you know, and you have to be a sponge at that particular point in time. And luckily I was, you know, I just really absorbed everything around me and, and, and realized how relationships work and how there's also a camaraderie to it. Camaraderie? Camaraderie? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, there is one in the trailer, but there's definitely one in the shops too. And it's, it's, it's learning how to, you know, be there for other people and they'll be there for you. And, you know, you don't get anywhere without other people. So yeah, it's a good way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from there I did, you know, I worked in a lot of places. I worked at KMB for a long time, for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. Luckily enough, and you know, Howard Burger was always good to me, and Nick Carroll, and you know, I got, I really were able, was able to sort of cut my teeth there, and was sent out to a lot of sets and, and things like that, and just just grew exponentially there. And um, from there, I just started supervising other people's shops. Okay. And then you know, an opportunity presents itself to you. And what opportunity is that? Well, that's funny because I was working for another guy's shop and uh, mm-hmm. I was I was supervising a shop. And at the time we were doing two or three TV shows and it was a relatively young shop, um, you know, started out in his garage. And he was the guy that I met in the shops that I would work with on the weekends and at night and help him out on his stuff. And, you know, and he, he was sort of climbing up the ladder rather fast. And, you know, he got a couple of these TV shows and we were all kind of just sort of learning how to do these things. He was learning how to run a company at the same time I was... I was learning how to run a crew for him, you know, and yeah, yeah. that I learned a tremendous amount as far as interpersonal relationships are concerned, as far as, you know, working with crews and trying to understand their plights and, you know, what they're having troubles with. And, you know, and that's where I, where I really learned that, you know, how much home emotions really come into the workplace every day and, and how to deal with that. Because at that particular time, I think it was in my mid twenties, you know, mm-hmm. uh, mid to late twenties, I, you know, I, I didn't know anything about dealing with people or running people, you know, or running a crew or anything. And you, you start to realize, oh, well, you know, you have to sort of be a therapist at the same time, you know, in order to, to get people to go because they have issues, whether or not it's ego or whether or not something happening at home or things like that. So, you know, through that experience of running his shop and running those crews, I was really able to sort of, um, sort of hone in those skills of, of, of really how, how, you know, how, how to deal with people and draw boundaries and still be friendly, but at the same time, still be professional. Yeah. And the sort of opportunity presented itself, you know, I had worked with, with this gentleman for quite some time and, you know, we were sort of growing apart in that. And it was one of those situations where everything runs its course, right? You know, mm-hmm. relationships run their course and, and work runs its course. So that relationship would just run its course. And when you're in a position like that, sometimes you get tired of uh, sort of uh, carrying the water weight for, for the whole shop and, and things like that. And at some point you realize, well, why can't I do this on my own? You know, why mm-hmm. can't I do my own thing? I mean, yeah, it's going to be hard. And it's going to be a, a struggle uphill and everything, but you know, why couldn't I do that? Yeah. And that's sort of where the, uh, the name autonomous was born from. 
which was, you know, autonomous means, you know, you're, you, you're doing it on your own, you're yourself, you know, you're self-driven uh, kind of thing. And that's the name of my company. So at the time I was working with a guy, his name was Elvis Jones. And, you know, we had a lot of conversations about this and, and, uh, you know, I told him about my idea and he was like, yeah, that sounds great. So he kind of came with me and, and, um, and we sort of built this thing from, you know, from the ground up and, you know, I went down and incorporated and I just crossed my fingers and helped for a job and mm-hmm. we got one and, you know, we worked together for a few years and, that was great. So yeah, that's the sort of origin of the name of the company autonomous. And it's not, it's, you know, looking back on it, you know, it's not the easiest name in the world. <laughs> a lot of vowels for it. I get a lot of people that, you know, when we were first starting, they're like, hippopotamus effects. What is that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'd be like, wow, people weren't, weren't really educated. Are they, you know, I knew at an early age what autonomous is, but you know, a lot of people don't, I get a lot of people that call and they're like, is this auto no mouse? Oh my god! I mean, I knew how to I knew how to read it and say it, but I'll be honest, I didn't know what it meant. Right. Well, and that's you know our logo has a sort of like automaton on there, and an automaton is like a self-driven robot, you know. Right. You know that kind of thing. So anyway, that's the origin of the name, and you know once you get it, you're stuck with it. So you know, now it's become home. (laughs) That's awesome. I think it's great that you were able to see that you were carrying somebody else's weight when you were working for somebody else and thought, yeah. why, why not make this weight my own and start my own company? And all of this pressure that's on me is for me. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. your, now it's your baby instead of looking after somebody else's. And I think that's a great step to make if you feel like you, you're up for the challenge. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it, it, it acutely makes you aware of the sort of pressure that you put on other people around you mm. that, that are working for you and working, you know, nobody works for me. Everybody works with me, yeah. um, you know, that are, that are working with me, you know, and I'm, I'm very, very acutely aware of, of, you know, the pressure that I put on other people. And, you know, of course we all have our bad days and, you know, I don't always have the, the most sparkling personality in the shop when I'm sort of going through a rough time on a project or something, but, you know, I always try to remember it and, and make sure that, that nobody feels like they're carrying the burden of the company, um, yeah. that they're all just sort of playing their part in it because, you know, that's what it was. I mean, you know, the irony is, is, you know, the name autonomous, you know, it, it's a funny thing because, you know, nobody really is autonomous, really. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. I mean, I still have this, this this wide group of people I depend on and care about and love, and, you know, that, wor- that work with me at the company. And, you know, I don't do it alone. There's no way, shape or form you can do it alone, you know? Yeah. And, and that's been the greatest sort of lesson. You know, I think that it's funny because you start, oh, I'm going to do this on my own. And you realize, ah, you don't really do this on your own, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And you're much stronger as a group together. You know, yeah. luckily I've got a lot of people that worked with me for a lot of years, you know, friends that I trust and, and you know, we, we've got a good core group of people. Yeah. And I think that just goes across the board to think like that is a far more positive way to work. Like even if you're in the trailer working with the hair department or costume or whatever it is, just that team. Yeah. Teamwork mentality is just such a more positive way to function and work. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we work in a business where it, it, it is tough, right? Because it, it is, you know, in a lot of, a lot of circumstances that is ego driven, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I've got my own ego and everybody's got their own ego and everything. But, you know, I think every day the opportunity that I get to work with a group of people in my shop and to come up in, in the shops the way that I did, because I do realize that everybody gets a turn, right? Everybody gets mm-hmm. a turn. And, and if you support other people's turn, then it makes everything more enriching for even your own experience, you know, when you yeah. get a turn. And that's that's really what it is, you know. And I, I'm I'm really thankful that, you know, on some of these these bigger shows that we do, you know, the core group of people that come in the hair and makeup teams that, that work with us and everything, that we do we do sort sort of form a tight bond and family together. And I think that's people attract like mindedness, you know, yeah. a good deal of the time. I mean, if you if you've got a good head on your shoulders and you know, you don't got a lot of darkness that you're dealing with. People do attract like-mindedness, you know? Yeah. That's why I'm, I'm lucky. I, I try to 
you know, I try to thank, you know, thank the universe for that every day. Sounds a little hippie-ish. No, gotta thank, you gotta put the thanks out to something. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So when you're hiring artists to work for you, whether it's um, to helping, like helping you out on set or in the workshop, what are you looking for in those artists? Well, I mean, there's all you know. There's it's it's a different set of skill sets. I mean, it is and it isn't. You know, an eye is an eye. You know, mm. you know somebody that knows what they're doing. You know, it's it's. You know, it certainly is different here than it is in Europe. And, um, you know, because I do think that a lot of the Europeans, they, you know, uh, this isn't true for everybody, but they set up a workshop with sound stages and things like that. And the, the artists that they're bringing in to apply are also the artists that are making a lot of the stuff. And, right. you know, I think that that happens way more, you know, overseas than it does here. It's definitely a much smaller pool of the artists that make things in the shop that go to set for those things. And, you know, I think that if you can provide that opportunity for people, always do that because people take ownership of the work and ownership of the work is the most valuable thing that you can have. You know, um, it makes you look good. It makes the shop look good. It makes the show look good. But, you know, a lot, you know, we have unions here and things like that. And a lot of the shop people aren't unions. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, those people, when I hire the people for the shop, you know, they're either a great sculptor or a great mold maker or they're a great mechanic or a painter. You know, everything's sort of compartmentalized now because people have gone off to really specialize in certain things. And, you know, everybody sort of has a general knowledge of everything, but people do yeah. one thing better than the other thing. And that's what you really what you want. You want, you want to bring in people that are the best of, the best of who they are and what they can bring. Yeah. So, you know, when we do that, when I staff a show on set, it's a whole different sort of set of artists most of the time. And it's, you know, people that I've worked with and known for years and trust and that we all get along and sort of going to be drama free and that, you know, have your back, you know. Um, and I think the first thing is, you know, besides talent, but most everybody has talent that we know and work with um, yeah. is, is the personality, right? Because you have to jive with them and you have to know that, you know, in a rough circumstance, they won't freak out or they'll know how to sort of approach it. You know, if, if, if they're having a, a problem with a producer or a director or another artist in the trailer or something like that, you want somebody with a level head, yeah. somebody that can really sort of take apart a problem mm-hmm. and, and really understand for, for the base of what it is and, and try to sort of disarm it rather than make it worse. Yeah. And, you know, that's sort of what I really look for above all, even above talent sometimes. I mean, you'll have, you'll be working with somebody that, you know, let's just say there's, you know, there's five people that are just much more amazing than them, you know, mm-hmm. um, but they are, they are superb at handling people and, and things. And, you know, luckily all the talent's pretty much on par of everybody that I work with and I know. So, you know, I mean, everybody's really good. And you just find those people and you, you know, like I said, you just really sort of, uh, you just sort of really navigate yourself towards those people, you know, like-minded people find like-minded people. That's really what I sort of hire for when I'm staffing a show. And also, you know, because I do prosthetics mainly and, and, you know, we're building stuff in the shop and everything, it is always worthwhile to me to get people that do have uh, a shop experience and a shop background because mm-hmm. there are suggestions, you know, so there's, so there's a continuity, right? Between the studio, the shop that's building and and the makeup trailer that's applying it, you know. So, yeah. you know, whether you have a Mark Arborino or a Richard Redlipson or a Glenn, you know, working with you, they have a good shop background, you know, and, and they can say, I think the foam's a little too dense. I think, you know, um, or I think that, you know, the silicone, maybe you can bump up the, the plasticizer to 180%, 190%, you yeah. know, things like that, you know. So those, those, those things are really helpful because you can really zero in on what the problem is. And rather than somebody that's just a great applicator that doesn't really have a lot of great experience making stuff because they can't really problem solve it for you. They could just say, I'm just having this problem. Yeah. And you know, you have to sort of play 20 questions to figure out exactly what the problem is. Whereas somebody with a little bit more experience can say, well, you know, I, I think it's the dead nerds leaching or this or that or whatever it is, you know, and. So, yeah. It just makes sense. So for yourself being mainly in the workshop and then transitioning to being able to work on set, like getting into the union and all that kind of stuff, um, I'm assuming that's helped greatly with the business, being able to do both of those things. Tremendously. I mean, you know, joining the union about 10 years ago or 11 years ago, whenever I did was sort of a game changer for me. As far as the shop was concerned, you know, it was, you know, I was able to get out there and meet a lot more people because, you know, people 
don't mind getting things for a shop, but you know, and, and sort of, you know, they say, okay, well you guys make this stuff, you make it for me. And then I'll have these people apply it. But if you can get out there and stand behind your work, like you're going to bring it to that or you're guaranteeing it, or, you know, people really, really like that a lot more. So a lot of these department heads that I've worked with really like that, that I can build the stuff and bring it to set and work with it. And, you know, I can, I can make sure that I stand behind the product in which we're building and, and, you know, whether it's creatively stand behind it and guarantee the craftsmanship behind it, you know, that really sort of putting a face with the product really was helpful for a lot of people. And, you know, it helped my shop tremendously. When you're not department heading a show or you're not doing, you know, those things, you're able to sort of have a lot of tendrils with a lot of different places. You know, you can go mm-hmm. work this show this day, work that show that day, you know, work this show that. Yeah. And you can sort of get to know a lot of people really quickly and start building a lot of things for them. And then, you know, what's great is we also build things that, you know, like bodies and surgical rigs and mechanics and things like that. So you mm-hmm. meet other people when you're on set, like a prop guy says, I need 10 bodies, you know, with distended necks because they're going to be hanging here. And they're like, well, we can do that. You know, oh, so. That's cool. Yeah. So that, that was really, really a game changer for me joining 706. Yeah. And I think being able to, well, yeah, as you say, being able to see your product through to the end, like being able right. to go on to set and either apply it or oversee it being done. That's awesome. Because if you're just constantly sending stuff out and not being able to <laughs> right. actually see or follow that through would be frustrating at times. Yeah. And, and it's also frustrating for them because a lot of the times they can't explain the problem if there is an yeah. issue. You know, why the director didn't like something or why, you know, they're having a problem with with the way a piece is laying or something like that. Like maybe it goes too much into the hairline or the beard or, or something yeah. like that, you know. So it's frustrating for them as well, you know, if they're not prepared to handle those things. Luckily, you know, luckily these days, I mean, everybody's got a great skill set. I mean, mm-hmm. it's sort of so rapidly changing that everybody knows how to do everything now. And I think that that's great. You know, it's it's less compartmentalized than it used to be, you know, department heads are, you know, really, you know, and I, I think social media, you can think social media, you can think things like this podcast and other things that people are mm-hmm. doing, whether they're, they're the, the information out there is just, you know, if you want to learn this stuff and you want to, you know, you want to be comfortable with it, it's just out there in spades, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that where we, in, you know, in the States at least used to be a far more compartmentalized, I think everybody's sort of gravitating more towards the European model, which is everybody knows everything. And effects guys are learning a lot more beauty and and vice versa, because beauty is sort of factoring its way into our applications. You do an old age makeup on a woman, you know, you still have to put that beauty into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and your so. likeness makeups and stuff like that, where you have to put a whole beauty makeup on top of a likeness yeah. makeup is I like, s- ooh. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, and you have to know what materials to use and things like that. And, you know, mm-hmm. some, some materials don't really work well on silicone and others work better. And, you know, but then you have to have the skill set to actually pull it off, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Which is everything. That's very cool. So when Autonomous is hired for a job and it's coming down to like, is, how, how does the dynamic work between yourself and the head of the department and the directors and everything when you're doing kind of like character design and development and things like that? How does that normally work? Well, it's interesting because it it works in a couple of different ways. You know, every project is unique and every set of personnel is unique. You know, Uh, there's a lot of projects where we get brought on by a department head. And when you're hired by the department head and you're referred to to production by the department head, then, you know, you want to make sure that you include them in every decision. I mean, some are running the department, you know, like when I work with Donald Mowat, you know, it's, it's, it's all his department. Right. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not really dealing or interfacing in with the producers as much, you know, it's, it's, he's sort of doing that stuff. So I'm answering to him. Mm -hmm. Other department heads uh, would much rather you answer specifically to the producers because they feel like they, you know, they don't, they don't really want to get in the middle between what you're building and what the producers want, you know? So every, everybody's a little bit different in that circumstance. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I'm hired by the producers, you generally are our own department, right? So it's, it's like, you know, there's sort of a trifecta approach there and every scenario sort of works differently with each of the ways that you're hired, essentially brought onto a project and each and every one of those have their own respect issues. You know, like you never want to overstep your bounds with the department head, 
in, in general, it's a good idea, but especially when they bring you on to a project, you want to make sure that, that they understand they're in the loop of everything. Even if they don't really want to be hands-on, they're still in the loop of it so that they're not yeah. surprised by anything because inevitably they're going to have to answer for it even when you're your own department. So communication is mm-hmm. key. Communication or respect. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. It's a good way to go about it. I was going to ask you, what do you have more of a, or do you have more of a passion for certain types of makeups, like realism or likeness makeups compared to creature and gore kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think realistic and likeness makeups are, you know, I mean, that's the sort of, uh, that's the ultimate goal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's the ultimate magic trick, if you will. You know, it's mm-hmm. like how to, how to really, really, really fool somebody, you know, and Creatures and stuff, you know, I wouldn't say the creatures are easy. I wouldn't say the gore is easy. Every, every sort of effect has its own dynamic and has its own challenges, right? So, mm. you know, with creatures, it's, yeah, you can have something with sharp teeth and pointy, pointy ears and everything. But, you know, if you really want to be, uh, if you really want to do something different that people haven't seen, that's really when it becomes hard and challenging, right? Um, yeah. You know, as far as design is concerned, and and I do love doing creature work. I do love doing, you know, it's really great when you can do character creature work. When when a creature comes on and they they've got this this great character, it's not just something with sharp teeth and eyes and everything. It's kind of all of it in one bowl. You know, it's mm-hmm. a cool character. You know, whether it's a goblin or it's a, you know, it's it's that's that's the funnest stuff for me, I think. But then the realism stuff is the hardest stuff that you can possibly do, you know, and especially as you sort of climb the ladder and you work with a lot more higher end talent. Whenever I see something, uh, a successful, realistic makeup, my hat's always off to them because I know that there's much more going on behind the scenes than just the makeup because we can mm-hmm. sculpt something beautiful and put it on and everything. But you have to deal with the, you know, a lot of the talent has their own opinion. You know, maybe it's ego. They don't want to look so old or so overweight, here, but that's what the, the script is calling for, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so you kind of have to bring them into, especially the, the bigger the actor, of course, you have to include them and, you know, they're going to have their two cents and you have to make sure that you diplomatically sort of handle that approach to it yeah. as you're designing the character so that it's, it's all one thing and you're not, you know, you're not alienating them because when you alienate them, then they don't get to be part of the process. And let's face it, at the end of the day, I mean, your makeup only lives or dies based off their performance. Yeah. So, you know, you have to really make sure that they're in your corner and stuff like that. So that's its own set of challenges. And I, I, I enjoy that and love that as well, you know? So it's not just like a, a dead sculpture sitting on somebody's face. It's they, they brought it in and brought it into a character. But I think to answer your question, I think I really love just character work, you know, mm-hmm. not just an old age for the sake of an old age, you know, or something like that. It's just somebody that brings a character to something, you know, like I always love, love, like, you know, even though I don't really like the movies, but I love like, you know, Eddie Murphy stuff, like the Netty professor and coming to America and stuff like that, where he's so great in the makeups and he really makes these like characters that are just so over an edge, you know, they're over mm-hmm. the top, but they're yeah. just, they're so much fun. You know, I love that kind of stuff where it's like some, a lot of life is brought to it. Good partnership between performer and makeup. Yeah. Yeah. So since starting the company back in, what was it like 2005? Yeah. We officially started in 2005. Yeah. We just had our, I guess we just had our 15 year anniversary. Uh, That's very cool. No, no, no. Actually, 15-year anniversary would be in September. So, yeah, we're coming up far. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how has the company changed and grown since then? Wow. Yeah, it's changed a lot. It's grown tremendously. I mean, you always have moments of growth and then retraction, you know, depending on the market and where people are shooting and, you know, what's going on. You know, like when we first started, we had a lot of growth because we were new on the scene and, you know, we were talking to a lot of people and, you know, we were able to get this show or that show and build a small piece of it. We weren't the main shop that we were able to provide a couple of things and we did that and we grew and, you know, and then, you know, you sort of come into uh, uphill things, right? Like, you know, let's just say there's a writer's strike or something mm-hmm. like that. So you have to retract your business a little bit because you know things are, are shutting down. You know, when when the economic crisis hit in 2008, mm-hmm. it, was, it was tough for us because we were still a relatively new shop, you know, and, yeah. and things really sort of retracted. People weren't making the big, big, big stuff that we were getting a small piece of, like building like, let's just say it's like Race to Witch Mountain when we first started with that. And, yeah. You know, there was a lot, of, you know, big set pieces we were able to build. Well, people weren't making the $100 million films for a minute there. 
Yeah. You know, so they were just making either making like, you know, a hundred thousand dollar film or they were making some gigantic tentpole movie, which all the big shops were doing. So mm-hmm. that caused us to sort of really sort of retract a little bit and just sort of rethink our approach to it. When our approach became not being a, a mega shop so much as a boutique shop, right? And it's mm-hmm. just tailoring ourselves to small makeup applications and things like that and creating appliances for other people. So, you know, I mean, over the years, it's changed dramatically. I'd say starting about 2013, 2014, you know, we started getting really much bigger and I expanded the company and I brought on somebody to run the day-to-day operations and then a floor manager. And then, you know, you have to sort of compartmentalize like that because your, your time starts getting spread out everywhere. And, um, because, you know, we have, we handle anywhere from like one to four, five projects at a time sometimes. Wow. Right. you You can't really, you know, doesn't mean that all the projects are huge, but you can't contain all that information at once. And also when you spread yourself so thin, people don't like that because you can't personally, you know, you can't personally talk with them or deal with them. So they don't feel like they're getting your best. So, you know, you, you start to develop relationships with people that you bring in, like, you know, like the guy that runs my studio, Mike McCarty, I'm able to have him start the relationships with the people and everything. So now there's complete relationships going on that I'm not really, you know, I'm aware of them, but I'm not fully and you know engaged with like he is but they're getting the full attention from him and full attention from the company they're not feeling left down so we grew dramatically during that time period and you know we're still growing um i learned a lot of lessons actually this year because we were, we were mm-hmm. doing like quite a few big projects mm-hmm. and I, I learned that i don't want to be a mega shop uh, i don't get enjoyment out of being spread so thin in so mm-hmm. many different areas um you know, and there's two approaches to it, right? You you own a studio and you get to watch it live and breathe and become its own living, breathing organism, which is fantastic. Yeah. But then you're still an artist. And that's the thing that you struggle with sometimes is, is you have to make decisions that are based fiscally or, you know, on what you can or can't do in the amount of time, the amount of money that you're given for something mm-hmm. versus what you want to do for something. There's that struggle with it too. But, you know, I mean, the big lesson that I'm walking away with over the last year and a half or so is just how I want to sort of create tell my company to be just more engaging and personal on smaller, not, not smaller projects per se, but, you know, not taking on five big things at the same time, because yeah. at that point you're just doing a little here and a little there and you don't walk away with the satisfaction of feel, really feeling like you had your hands in something. Yeah. That's what I need, you know, as an artist and what I need as a, as a creative person. Yeah. And I mean, that's something that your clients need as well. They need you to still be passionate about it and like hands on and getting in there. So I think being able to give them that service is pretty awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, your company's brought on for a reason, you know, they mm-hmm. like what you did in this show or this project, or they like what they've heard about you, you know, and you have to be sure that you, you, you know, you were able to give that to them, you know, yeah. if, if not, what's the point of doing any of this? So, you know, there's always lessons to learn. And, and, you know, that's the thing that I, I walk away with all of this is that the reason why it never gets boring or, or never gets stagnating for me is that, you know, I'm always growing, whether I'm growing as an artist personally on set or whether I'm growing, um, you know, with the company, you know, and, and I still go and do just day playing gigs for a lot of people that my company is not really even involved with, you know, and I do that because it's a, because it's fun, you know, I don't have any responsibilities, but B it's important to get out there and to, to keep your skills sharpened and it's important to work for other people and yeah. to see how they're running things and to then to pick up on what they're doing because you you never you never stop learning and that's what I like about that's what I like about this you know this industry and this 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 job and it's why it's never boring you know yeah no same totally you agree know. I was gonna ask your um, company is doing something new is that right yeah what we're doing is you know we get a lot of calls and. You know, like I said, we, we, we deal with a lot of TV shows and a lot of things that are happening really quickly, right? You know, the things that don't have a gestation period of a typical uh, pre-production of we need to get somebody in for life cast and sculpt and mold and create this thing. So, you know, and I think that that's a good deal of all television film production these days is, is mm-hmm. everything that's just happened so fast now. Pre-production is sort of thinned down on a lot of things. And so, you know, 
we get a lot of calls from a lot of department heads that are always asking for, you know, what do you have that's readily available? What do you have in your inventory? What do you have for stock molds and things like that? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's tough because, you know, you spend half a day or I, you know, or my project manager spend half a day, you know, combing through all of our stuff to send pictures to department heads and, you know, how big is it? What color is it? And, you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it'll work. Do you think? And, you know, when you do that, you're kind of wasting money, right? It's not really cost effective because you're, you're taking your project managers off of the daily shop builds and things like that to answer these questions. Yeah. And yeah. they're important questions um, and they need to be answered. So, you know, what we started doing for ourselves, we created a, a database for our company. So it's on our central server so that, you know, we can consult this database and pull up, you know, whether it's a scratch or a burn or, you know, a slit throat or whatever, and and know all the specifics, know where the, the piece is. And what I decided was last year, I was like, well, we got this whole catalog that we're consulting. So why why not make this catalog open to everybody? Okay. Open to all department, not everybody, because, you know, we mm-hmm. don't really have any, we definitely don't want to really want to service, you know, novices or the haunt industry or anything like that. We just really mm-hmm. want to just keep doing what we're doing with department heads and things like that. So what we're doing is we're, we're putting out a catalog that's available as an extension of our website. So the department head can log in and they can see every appliance that we have that's in our catalog. They can put it in their wish list. That gets emailed to us. There's a, a picture of the appliance applied. There's a picture of what the, what the size of it is. There's a picture of what colors it comes in. Uh, of course, you can make it any color you want, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we're doing the same with tattoos because we have hundreds and hundreds of tattoos. And, you know, tattoos are also another one of those things where people are like, I've got this prison scene tomorrow and I need, you know, 40 yeah. Russian prisoners with all these tattoos. And yeah. so we're able to, they were able to go into our brand that we're launching called Autonomous Inc. And they can go through and they can sort of pick this tattoo and pick that tattoo. And what it does is it makes it easy for them and makes it much easier for us. You know, it's not something that, you know, I think that we're, we're concentrating our company on as, as, as a huge revenue stream for, but it's one of those things where it just makes everybody's life easier. But, you know, department heads have 5 million things they're doing throughout the day. You know, they, they also don't have the time to get on the phone for an hour and a half and figure this thing out. They can go to the yeah. website, they can look at it, they can download the picture, they can show it to the producer. They like that. Great. Hey, guys, we want this, this, this and this. And then do you like run that piece or you already have a stock of stuff or? We, we run it. So, you know, yeah. we can have a piece to somebody the next day, okay. which would, in most circumstances, you know, uh, which is Pretty fine, good. you know, um, you know, obviously, if there's something that's an emergency, we can do it. You always want to kind of cast fresh pieces. You don't want things sitting around. Yeah. Because, you know, just the wear and tear of things and how things mm-hmm. are stored and everything. So, yeah. And, you know, with the tattoo stuff, it's great, too, because, you know, we have no interest in putting anything out in stores or anything like that. You know, again, it's just more of an easy accessibility for the people that, that we are already engaged with and, and people that, you know, don't really know much about us. It's just something that you can easily take care of for yourself it's sort of like a one-stop shop kind of thing and you know again it's it's not something that i think we're going to change the industry with but it certainly mm-hmm. is something that i think is going to make everybody's lives a little easier yeah it's more efficient it's a more efficient yeah. way of working yeah that's yeah. awesome i was going to ask since autonomous started and you guys have been doing jobs what has been a i guess a, a favorite Oh. If you can choose a favorite baby out of all the babies that you have created. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, favorites work in different categories too, right? Yeah. You know, like, you know, <laughs> I, I like, I loved these people, but I didn't really love what we did or I didn't love their yeah. creative decisions, but I love, you know, or I really love this thing that we created, but I really hated those producers, <laughs> um, you know. Uh, so what's been the most enjoyable one that you remember that you just loved working on? Um, Enjoyable. Um, you know, we did a small film a couple of years ago that I really loved. Not, not hardly anybody saw it, but it's a movie mm. called Under the Silver Lake. And mm-hmm. um, it's by a guy uh, named David Mitchell, who's a great director that I love working with. And he did a movie called It Follows. And this was his sort of follow-up to that movie. And um, it's uh, Andrew Garfield was in it. And uh, it, it's kind of this offbeat sort of film noir kind of like it had a lot of 70s influences to it and things like that but we were able to create so many things with it you know like there's so many offbeat characters like there's this character called the songwriter who was um who wrote every popular song you could have ever thought of and um 
he's sort of the linchpin of this movie. Now, uh, David wanted the actor to be uh, some a, a really great actor that had a youthful energy, so he wanted to cast somebody that was that was younger, you know, like in their thirties to forties, mm. and he wanted some the look of the character was supposed to be like over 130 or 140 years old, but okay. he still had this vibrance about him. Oh, uh, had and, the sparkle in his eye kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so that was like a real challenge, right? Like how far to take the makeup, right? Because mm-hmm. he still wanted the appearance to be ancient, but he wanted some youthful elements. So it's like, you know, we did the, the hair work had some youth to it and the eyes had a little bit of youth to it, but the makeup had a little bit of age to it. And that was just one of those like really great relationships going back and forth with the director that was really like, you know, really supportive for mm-hmm. what you do. And, but really also just sort of gets his kicks off and enjoys it and yeah. allows you and trusts you to sort of, to create something like that. And so I wish more people saw that film. You know, I don't think the studio really knew what to do with it. So they kind of buried mm. it a little bit, but, um, it's still a fun movie. It's really fun if you have like two hours, a little over two hours to sit there and immerse yourself into this like, you know, little world. But uh, yeah, so it's usually the smaller ones that are a little bit more fun because you're more hands on and engaged with everything and everybody. Yeah. You know, the bigger ones. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, if you have a director that's really into the collaboration and is excited by what you're doing, it's, yeah. I don't know, it's just so much more fun because well, you're just like kids playing and having an awesome time and going, yeah, this yeah. is awesome. Let's do it this way. And yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Well, and, and I've done a lot of jobs where I've worked with directors that don't really know what they want. You know, I did a, mm. a job a few years ago and, um, you know, it was a it was a director that wasn't really familiar with effects, and come to find out, he just really doesn't like effects. You know, right. but the movie had a good deal of effects in them. Mm. But you know, and and so he had to sort of wrap his mind around metaphorically what the effects meant for the for the characters and things like that. And you know, that was his approach to it. And you know, that was while that filming experience wasn't the greatest filming experience I've ever had, it certainly taught me a lot, you know, and that kind of became a little bit of a favorite project because it taught me how to deal with, with people that, you know, that aren't excited about what we do and that, that, that need to have a a deeper explanation of, of what it means for their characters or something. It's just not something their characters are doing and something their characters are experiencing. And, you know, the, the good and the bad, right? Every, every, creative person you work for has you know their own dimension that you have to deal with and you know while some are great and supportive and they're like a kid in a candy store others are you know they're challenged by this and you have to help them get through it and then and that becomes kind of like a a fun process as well i mean it's never fun when you're doing it because you know you're, you're doing five to 10 bad, you know, five to 10 ideas that they don't like to the one idea that they do like. Mm. But when they like it, that's amazing. And you, right. you've gained their trust on that situation, which is right. You know. And you break through to them. And, you mm. know, it's, it's, you know, while I don't see them, you know, while they, when the project's done, they tell you they're never going to do another film with a lot of effects because I think that they're, they're it's just not their wheelhouse, right? Yeah. Their wheelhouse is dealing with like, you know, interpersonal relationships or romantic comedies or things like that. And that's also another thing, you know, it's like, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of creatives out there, you know, they, they, they have a block when it comes to this stuff, and, you know, yeah. but I do like doing that. I, I do think that it's a great challenge and, and I learn how to sort of how to spot that in somebody very early on now. Mm. Uh, and how to sort of go in sideways, you know, because they're like, my film's not about the effects. You're like, no, 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 never about the effects. Even with, even with films that are nothing but effects, that's never about the effect, you know? Yeah. I think too, there's probably those people that you come across that have maybe had a bad experience in the past and uh, just like, no, I don't, I don't like effects. Right. You know, they obviously had, they worked with someone that it was just a terrible situation. Um, right, right. But then by the end of you working with them, you've flipped them over and they're like, actually, if it's done right, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because whenever you, whenever, you know, a director or a producer says something like that, you're like, Oh God, here we go. Mm. You know, and it feels like you're constantly proving yourself to them. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you are, you know, but, but at the same time, you're an ambassador to what you do and you, you know, you don't want it to be written out of things in the future. And it's important mm. that you sort of carry that torch and you show them that it can, you know, it doesn't have to be an arduous process like it was, you know, it can be something that they can enjoy and everything, um, you know, but, you know, the, those, 
those experiences, you know, they're a diamond in the rough, right? You don't, mm. you don't really, you know, when you realize you see that sparkle in somebody's eye and they, they realize, oh, this really can be great. This is great. You know? Yeah. And you're like, ah, I've converted somebody. Yeah. yeah, it feels good. I've had the same thing with wigs when a director's just being like, oh, I hate wigs. I, I hate don't want to work with wigs. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, oh, maybe you just haven't had an experience with you know, where it's been done right. right. <laughs> and then you go through the camera tests and tests and they're still sitting on the fence going, oh, I'm not sure if I want the wig or not. And then they see it on camera and they're just like, oh, actually, that doesn't look too right. bad. I like it. looks good. Yeah, like, yes. You know, it's funny because I've also found that with people like that, you know, like, you, you know, I've worked with some really highly intelligent people, like, I mean, uber intelligent, you know, and, and mm. they work on a lot of different levels, right? They work on this emotional level and they work on the cerebral level and work on this, you know, and, and they just don't want to be played, right? You know, meaning mm. they want directness and they, they want authenticity and you know there's so yeah. many you know they've had these experiences where they've been played by people meaning you know people are like oh you'll love it it'll be great this is what you need this is what it wants this is what mm-hmm. you know when when people are doing that they're shutting them out they're not allowing them to collaborate and, and yeah. they're still played and and i think that that's a thing that you know everybody needs to feel like they have their hands in it you know mm-hmm. And, and they need to feel like that, you know, in order for them to feel like they have gotten something out of it. So there's a psychological as well as, uh, as well as what ends up on the screen, you know, especially, you know, if you want to carry on doing business, right. Meaning yeah. you want that, those people to call you back the next time because you want them to have had that sort of mutual experience with you where you guys actually collaborated and created something together um, mm-hmm. rather than just moving on to the next shot next time or the next, you know, makeup artist the next time you want to build relationships for, because a, you enjoy it, but also continuity of work. <laughs> it amazes me, Jason, that you, you get to this point and you, you're so knowledgeable about all of these things and you didn't go to college for it. So many people go to college <laughs> for years to learn, do you know what I mean? To learn yeah. business skills and learn people skills and learn how to manage people. And, and it's amazing. It just goes to show how much you can learn just through doing it, just well, through experience. You know, it's amazing. It's great. I- Absolutely. And drive is everything, you know, yeah. you have, you have to want, you have to have that passion. You have to sort of, you know, just being open to, to it, be open to it and eat, drink it and sleep with it. And, you know, and, and, you know, passion's a, a whole other thing besides education, you know, and, and I think that once you have it, you, you do what needs to be done to make it work, to make it successful. Um, yeah. And a lot of that's just, you know, learning how to deal with yourself. More importantly, you're the biggest obstacle there is. Yeah. I had somebody ask me the other day, um, I was just chatting with them about the podcast and like, what should I ask this person? Need some questions, righty right. And they were like, oh, could you just find out if um, like heads of department, if they've had any training on managing people or how to run a department? And I'm like, I was thinking about it. I was just like, I doubt anybody has. No, I, I think, don't think I, so. Yeah, I really, I was just like, I think I could ask that question, a hundred people that question and probably maybe a hundred would reply that they have not had formal training in that way. Like, yeah. it, I mean, maybe they've come from a career before getting into this line of work where they had experienced it and learned it, but I feel like it just comes with experience. I mean, you just kind of throw yourself into it and learn along the way and watch and grow from just working with other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if anything, you know, and our field isn't one that you can take a seminar on, right? Because Mm. you're dealing, not only are you dealing with HR and managing people and Mm. and making a safe workspace for them and environment for them, you're dealing on a much more vulnerable, raw level. And that's creativity. You know, Mm. whether it's the artists that are working with you in the trailer or the shop because they have their own sort of rawness and and creativeness that they bring and and vulnerabilities or whether it's working with producers and directors, you know, it's, it's that thing that you can't teach. You, you have to work at it to develop those skills. And you, you know, I've had a lot of uh, misfires with a lot of people that, that got me to this point that taught Mm. me these lessons. You know, you don't come out of the bag knowing these things. It's, It's only something you can get with yeah. uh, with field experience and you know i don't care how many classes somebody takes no. you know you'll learn you'll learn the book but you won't learn that you won't learn yeah. to read the signs i think on the other side of like seeing like learning through your own experiences in the way that being treated in a way that you did not like and you're and you think i'm not gonna do that right 
Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You'll see Absolutely. the positives of like how somebody runs something or does something. You're like, oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. But it's always going to stand out to you more when it's something that affects you in a negative way. And you'll be like, you know what? That is not a cool way to do things. I'm, yeah. I'm going to remember this and I'm not doing that to another person because it feels horrible. <laughs> you're like, I'm definitely not going to be a dick. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And I think, I mean, it's thank goodness that those people are out there behaving like dicks because. Right. Makes it, you shine. It, yeah. Makes you go, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. That's not cool. Yeah. And you know, there really is no reason for it. You know, no. there, it, there just isn't, you know, it's not, you know, let's face it. It's not, you know, we're not rocket scientists here. And, mm. you know, I, to use an old tire cliche. But, you know, it is, it, you know, we're all people that, you know, are supposed to be loving and enjoying this and, mm-hmm. you know, loving and enjoying that camaraderie, you know, and yeah, things get hard sometimes, but it's not that hard, you know, no. to be a, to be a civil human being. And yeah, yeah, that negative reinforcement I've learned more from than I did the positive for sure. You know, I think I'm the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, having worked with you a few times, I appreciate your just your attitude because you're a no it's <laughs> my, true though because you sarcasm <laughs> <laughs> but you always every time I work with you it's just like oh uh, this is gonna be fun like Jason yeah. gets on with his job and does what needs to be done but at the same time there's a smile and there's a laugh and there's a do you know what I mean like it's yeah it's, no it's, I, it's I, a, I feel it's a good I time I feel the same, you know, every time that I, I get lucky enough to share the, the trailer with you, which, you know, we, we have been in the past. It's like, it's one of those experiences where you're like, you know, you're, you know, cause I know that you're going to be working with great people too, you know, mm. and it's like, it's not just you, it's like the whole, it's the whole team. And so it, it just feels, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun, you know, and it's fun to have that process together, you know? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm the same way. And, and you're <laughs> like, you're, uh, your bubbly personality is, is <laughs> I like making, I like, uh, I like the New Zealand references for sidewalks. So. Uh, just, I'll, just have a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't even, you point things out that I'm like, oh, I say that differently. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so you're just educating me all around. There you go. <laughs> it's, I, it's a much better way of saying it than I say things, trust me. <laughs> So within our industry, um, there's some pretty stiff competition. So I want to know, what do you think helps you stand out? Oh, I don't know. You know, you got to ask somebody <laughs> else that. You know, I, I think that, you know, artistically, do we stand out from everybody else? Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, there's a lot of great work happening out there. I, I think what really sort of makes us stand out is the fact that we we really do try to sort of broaden um, and I say we, because it's always a we, right. Mm, you know, when is. I'm dealing with, with a company or when I'm, when I'm on a makeup team, you know, mm-hmm. we're always trying to broaden, uh, broaden our base and do more things. You know, the more things that we can do, the more accessibility people has to us, have, have to us as a company and, and me as an artist, you know, so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, if you can do bodies, if you do robotics and you can, you know, you can do uh, rigs and you can do character makeups and and the way that I see this sort of catalog that we're going to be unleashing is yet another avenue, right? It's another mm-hmm. accessibility that people have to you. So whether or not it's the individual artwork that people like, because we do try our best, yeah, or it's the fact that, you know, we are a consistent group of people that they can depend on mm-hmm. and um, know that we'll show up and know that we'll bring our A game to it, you know, for to mm-hmm. use a, a tired cliche. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, I think that makes us stand out more than other people it, or other shops is the fact that we, we do try to be there in all aspects of those things and, and we're consistent. And I think that that's key. I, I think you can be the best artist in the world, but if you're not consistent, yeah, then, you know, people can't depend on you. That's the number one thing is people have to depend on you. And I think if they can depend on you, then you can stand out above other people and other shops. And and I think that's that way in business in general. Yeah. You know, but I think, you know, much more so when it comes to sort of artistic endeavors as well. It's very true. Hey, now what are some of the latest jobs that you guys have done? What can we look out for? That's fun. We kind of got our fingers in in quite a few things right now. Um, Well, something airing right now is uh, Penny Dreadful. 
City mm-hmm. of Angels. And um, that was a great experience. We were originally referred to that job um, by another effects company, believe it or not, named Fractured Effects. And oh, cool. uh, Justin had started, Justin Raleigh had started on that pilot. They didn't get the filming or anything before he needed to walk away from the project. Because I think it came, became a little bit more involved than what he had time to do at that particular point. So he recommended mm-hmm. us. Okay. And we came onto that. And that was a great experience because, of, you know, of course, I was a big fan of the, the Pen Dreadful series before then. And this yeah. one's much different. Very, it's this very different. Very different, which is, which, you know, I think has a lot of people shaken and a lot of people don't like that, but I think it's got a whole new audience of people yeah. that really do love that, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I just have to look at it as a completely separate situation. Right. <laughs> and that's a lot of people like, I wish they didn't call it Penny Dreadful. And you're like, why? It's perfect because the Penny Dreadfuls were, you know, these sort of, you know, Victorian comic books that had different stories of dread, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, working with John Logan, I mean, the guy is just the, the, the creator of, of Penny Dreadful is this. He's extraordinary. I mean, I mean, yeah. he's an extraordinary writer. Everything mm-hmm. is detailed. He knows exactly what he wants. And, you know, it's been that's been a great relationship, you know, and and also just touching base a little bit about about, you know, having been referred to that project from fractured effects and Justin and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another, also another thing to touch base on is I think that, you know, some of the newer shops and, and, and what's going on right now is that. Though we are all in business and we are all competitive because we have to be, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of camaraderie going on. Like, you know, I work a lot with Vince Van Dyke, you know, mm-hmm. uh, effects. And it's nice that, you know, I'm very friendly with Fraction Effects. And, you know, there's a lot of other shops that, you know, it's not necessarily a cutthroat business anymore. It's, it's everybody sort of supporting one another, you know, the best they can, you know, and that has been actually that's been one of the best things over the last couple of years is all this sort of working together, you know, and, uh, and, and pushing each other because it becomes, it becomes sort of much more of a, of a sort of, I wouldn't say a family thing, but it becomes much more of artistic collaboration that you Mm -hmm. can do with other shops. You can see how they're doing it and they see how you're doing it. And, you know, it's priceless, right? Because it's, it's comfortable, you know? Yeah. Um, And then you're not having to deal with a whole bunch of bullshit either. (laughs) No, not, not at all. And it's people that are supporting with good pe- people. And it kind of comes back to going back to knowing that, you know, everybody gets a turn, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're supportive of that, then, you know, it's great. You know, it's really great because you get to sort of, you, when other people have successes, you get to, you get to be happy about that and enjoy that. Yeah. You, you really care for that person and, and like that shop. And that's, so cool. that's, I think that that's really different these days than, than what's been going on before. So, you know, we can get a show like Penny Dreadful and from another shop and I have no problem saying, you know, I got that because of them. And, and mm-hmm. you know, they thought highly enough of our work to refer us. And now I have a great relationship with those producers. And, you know, meanwhile, you know, including everybody in on it, you know, it's, it's, it's great. You know, it's a great experience, you know. Back to some of the other projects that we're doing, you know, um, we are currently wrapping up our sort of participation in a show called The Oroville. Well, we're wrapping that up now and another shop's taking that over, which that's been a great experience. We just did a film that was just out called The Hunt, which was... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I need to see it because I've heard yeah. about it. And okay. It's fun. You know, it, I, I don't understand why I got so mired in politics because it really is a film that's making fun of everybody. All yeah. The whole politic, the whole yeah. Local system right now, which you look both sides, all sides need to be made fun of at this particular point. Yeah, things get lost in translation sometimes, don't they? If, I don't know. Yeah, and I also People think that understand. I think that the gore was, you know, a bit much for a lot of people. Um, you know, oh, now I have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, that was another great, uh, great experience that we were brought on by a, a makeup department head that we work with a lot. You know, her name is Lauren Thomas. She's fantastic. She's amazing. And she brings us on to a lot of things and we work really well with her. It's another great collaboration, you know, like it's awesome. the friends that you make along the way. Right. Mm-hmm, totally. And then, you know, we're doing uh, the fourth season of a show called Snowfall. We've done okay. All the seasons up until now. It's not like a not a huge show for us, but you know, there's always somebody dying or, you know, being mm-hmm. shot up or a body being hung, cut up, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and nice. uh, there was like two or three other projects that we're kind of in the middle of that we don't really know what's going on with them at this mm-hmm. point in time, but shall resume soon, soon enough. Awesome. Um, but it's fun. That's very cool. Hey, I was going to ask you, what tool or product would you not want to work without? I want you to choose I mean, one. I mean, what? I know that oh, that's so. extremely difficult. What did you just say? Telesis. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the which, one. It's the one product that is you know that I cannot work without. It's the yeah. it's proven time field tested, proved time and time again. Best product there is out there for gluing down a prosthetic. If I had to pick one. And would you like them to stop discontinuing certain ones? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because at first I was like that. And then I started, you know, and then I started having to use the other ones. And mm. I found that, that the other ones, once you learn how to use them, are actually better. They actually hold better. I guess than, that's the point of bringing them out, right? Right. Like Telesis 5 was fantastic. Everybody loved Telesis 5. Mm. Um, but then with Telesis 8F, you know, I found that's way stronger than Telesis 5 when it's used in the right way. You know, you have to have, you know, there's a little bit of a working curve with it. But once you once you learn, it's, you know, it's, I think, a better product than five was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There's a trick. But, but everything is evolving, right? Every, mm-hmm. You know, companies evolve with their products, you know, and, and standards, FDA standards are always being changed. And people have to always sort of change their product formulas. And you have to sort of change with them. Yeah. You know, the important thing is to really stand by you know, like, like PPI who makes that product. It's really stand by that product and that company and, you know, give them as much feedback, you know, as you yeah. can when they ask you. And, and they're really receptive to feedback, which is fantastic. So that's one product they can't live without. Love it. And um, tell me, what one person would you like to hear on the podcast? Yeah, you know, you should have Vince Van Dyke if you yeah. can. Yeah, okay. I, I, I love Vince. And, you know, he's got this, you know, he's, he's got a really great fresh eye perspective, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he's another young shop out there that's that's doing incredible work and and multiple collaborations with multiple people. And you know, I, I'm a huge fan of his work, of course, and uh, professionally and just personally, I'm uh, you know, he's a really great friend, and uh, I think he would uh, he'd be a great interview. Thank you, Jason Collins. You rock. Love chatting to you. Always a pleasure. Well, thank you, Jamie. Thanks for thanks for doing this, actually, because these are a pleasure to listen to because, you know, I think that they're really focused, really positive. And the times that you're interviewing people, they go by really fast, actually. And it's really enjoyable listening to everybody's take on it, you know, and you're getting like a wide variety of people, people from Europe, people from here, you know. So thank you for actually putting forth the effort and doing this. Oh, you're awesome. Thank you're you. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, Last Looks crew, thanks for listening. And remember, if you love it, share it. A quick scroll down and you'll find our show notes. Or maybe you'd like to give your support and leave a five-star review. Go on, I know you want to. Search the Last Looks podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, whichever one tickles your fancy. And a massive shout out to the husband, Brett Stanley. Without his patience and tech support, this whole podcast situation simply does not happen and cheers to Liliana Rose for her fabulous voice acting talents okay last looks crew that's a wrap for me I don't need to be told twice to get out of here so bye I'll catch you on the flip side